Sisters, your Discworld recap podcast. My name is Manning. Joining me is Danny. Hey, I'm back. Unfortunately, Liz is not with us this time, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, trade one for another. Are you Clark Kenting me? Um, I may or may not be. If nothing else, now you two are tied again for second most hosting. <laughs> means I'll have to take two episodes off to bring us all back up to even. This month, we are recapping Sorcery, fifth in the overall series, third in the Rincewind subseries. First impressions, Danny, what did you think? Interesting. It was actually pretty nice to hear from Rincewind again. I always found him a, a rather entertaining character. His not quite hopeless, but still dismal outlook is refreshing, to say the least. Definitely. Oh, also, real quick, if you guys hear any sort of ambient noise and stuff in the background on my end, that's because I have just moved into a new place, and while it has many lovely qualities, including my two fantastic roommates, one of the features it does not have is good sound dampening. So, I ask you all to be patient. Congrats on the new place, anyway, yeah. So, let's dive into sorcery. Shall we start off with the trivia? Sure thing. Sorcery was published... Originally, in May 26, 1988, as the fifth book in the Discworld series, when the wizards get to talking about sorcery, spelled source R-Y, as the origin of most magic through the Discworld lore, one of them mentions a picture of a sorcerer in a book standing up on a mountain, waving, waving his arms, and the waves were coming right up. Most people believe this to be a reference to The Sorcerer's Apprentice from Disney's 1940 film Fantasia. Some of the references are also, they're a little bit more obscure. There's a market outside of the Unseen University known as Sator Square, referring to the magic square Sator Arepo Tenet Opera Rotas, which is a palindrome in all directions, uh, with a few different ways of ordering it that can get you a few different phrases in Latin. It's, um, I recommend looking it up. It's really interesting. Beyond that... So, let's dive into the summary. Assisted, as always, by the secret extra sister who lives in the scullery of a castle constructed of pure magic. Sorcery opens with Ipslor the Red and his infant child. As the eighth son of an eighth son, Ipslor is a wizard. The baby he holds, his own eighth son, is a font of magical power, a sorcerer. So the pun on sorcerer seems to have been the impetus for this whole story. What do you think of it? I think as far as puns go, this one is a little bit overused, but considering it's the title as well as the actual spelling within the world, it took a bit of getting used to. It does make a lot of red wavy lines appear. I don't like those red wavy lines. Would the story would the story have been improved if sorcerer was spelled properly within the text? If, if it was just the title, it wouldn't exactly make much sense, because then people would be like, why is the title spelled that way? But having it explained repeatedly kind of helped, although it doesn't really help the pronunciation because I kept reading it as sorcerers. <laughs> Death, who has come for Ipslor, says that sorcerers make their own destiny. Ipslor rejects that statement and asserts that his son, named Coin, 
will be the leader of all wizards and ruler of the world unless he throws away his staff. It is shortly revealed that said staff is a hidey hole for Ipslor's mind, allowing him to survive and influence Coin's development. Death is frustrated by this turn of events, but he has no choice except to let it unfold. Ipslor is a surprisingly nuanced character compared to previous Discworld villainous figures, at least in the opening scene. There's a lot of emotion implied in the discussion of his wife, his other sons, and him being rejected from the university. Starting out, I didn't quite know what to think of him. In my head, I tend to I tend to visualize stories rather vividly. So it was this whole dramatic scene in my head with like in shades of blue with these two figures having a discussion and stars in the background and everything. But so he seemed a little less threatening than he really was since I was more focused on the picture rather than reading between the lines of the text. But going through looking for trivia, I ended up on TV tropes. So I got to read Ipslor's tropes and that led me back to going back to his scene in the book and like, oh, he really is a horrible kind of person. Like, I'm not typically a fan of the self-centered villains like him. The, the means don't always justify the end when the end is horrible. I'm not even sure if he understood that what he was trying to put into motion would destroy the world as he knew it. Nah, I think he was definitely more interested in his own ego. And that's sort of what he embodies about the wizards of the disc and like their negative aspects. The thing is, like, his his whole revenge plot to fuel his own ego, like, he never even got the satisfaction of, oh, well, look, it's it's me, I came back, I'm doing these things, aren't you sorry you kicked me out now? Like, I thought that was the direction he was going to try to take, but he never did. Well, I think it's less about him doing these things and more about him feeling frustrated and angry and hurt by the wizards kicking him out for falling in love. Ah. Uh. Which makes it frustrating for me that his wife is not in the story at all. Yeah, we, we never do get to see what dynamic they had that would lead him to be so frustrating. So we never even get to find out if he was more of a good person and that he let bitterness... And grief consume him? Yeah, I... Wow, this, this actually uh, parallels the prequel trilogy of star wars pretty heavily <laughs> that just occurred to me if you'll permit me a, a digression it does seem like we are currently entering the period of time where people who grew up in the prequels are bringing more discussion about how the prequels are not actually that bad all things considered or at least coming at it from a way that's not just they're not the original trilogy therefore they suck yeah that's that's a that's a pretty valid argument yeah. But we'll save that for Star Wars sisters. <laughs> <laughs> Eight years later, the faculty of Unseen University are preparing to appoint a new Arch-Chancellor. Yet there is something frightening the university's denizens, including Rincewind and the Librarian. I honestly thought that the Librarian was just kind of going to be dropped or brought up maybe as a running gag. <laughs> so it was... I was genuinely happy to see him come back and, like, sort of be fleshed out as his own character. But I'm happy that he seems totally fine in his orangutan body. Like, he's he's living life to the fullest. And it was also really nice seeing that Rincewind can communicate with him 
incredibly easily, even though the reader doesn't understand ook. But we can pick it up through context clues, usually. Usually. May I make your day? Oh? This is the librarian for the rest of the series. He's a major recurring character. Yes! Honestly, he's one of the best parts of the overall series. He takes no prisoners. It's great. He's definitely definitive for the Discworld series. Like, it'd be like the Lord of the Rings without Gimli, you know what I mean? Ooh, that's a harsh blow. This is pretty much how the librarian's going to be. Uh, never the starring role, but always a show stealer, and demonstrating wisdom beyond most of the human cast. I think if you ranked the recurring characters by level of nuance, he's a step or two above the luggage, but if nothing else, he's charming and a hallmark of the Discworld books. Meanwhile, the Arch-Chancellor's hat gets itself stolen, and no, that is not me using the passive voice. Shortly afterward, the university gathers for the Arch-Chancellor appointing ceremony, and are astonished when an eight-year-old boy enters the hall. This is Coin, who has come into his power, and is ready to take over the university and the world. <laughs> when Coin first arrived on the scene, I was surprised. Because I wasn't expecting this this child to be speaking the way he did. Sad, sad enough to say, it took me most of the book to realize that he was under more of a possession than just doing things and being guided. It took Spelter, I believe. It took him walking in on coin and being scared out of his wits to for me to really realize that there was an actual child in there. And from that point on, I was just... I'm on team save the baby. Yes. 99% <laughs> of the time I am on team save the baby. Coin has some interesting similarities to Adam Young in Good Omens. He does. Kind of the part where he's he's like, I can do all these things. It's incredible. But what do I do with them? The thief who stole the Arch-Chancellor's hat finds Rincewind in the mended drum and forces him to come along on the adventure. The thief reveals that her name is Kanina, daughter of the legendary hero who we met in the late Fantastic. I knew her name was familiar. Because it's basically coin? No, no, um, it does have many of the same letters as coin, but it also, tradition of naming your child something similar to the parents from Cohen to Conina. But, I don't know, like, her character was good. I enjoyed that she, she wasn't a one-trick pony. She seemed cursed in a way to obey the blood of her ancestors through strange Discworld hereditary traits. Presumably, Konina is not the daughter of Cohen and Bethan from The Late Fantastic. That that was something I was confused about. I'm like, I hope that's not how it went, because you remember our discussion our discussion from that, that book. The trope of an exceptionally capable female cohort is kind of overplayed these days as a lackluster attempt at being progressive without doing anything as drastic as making a woman the protagonist. Mm. Uh, I figure it was a little more fresh back in 1988. Yeah, I think actually there's a bit of nuance even there that separates Kunina from how it's done today. I don't know. Um, I could be entirely wrong, but personally it feels like modern interpretations of taking the back seat and totally just there because we need a girl. And it, it gets a little repetitive. To me, it's a little bit annoying. Uh, but with Konina... I sort of projected a little bit more onto her character that it was actually a curse to follow her barbarian blood, especially in that scene with the, they were trying to be taken prisoner, but she's like, nope, I gotta fight him. 
So it could just be me projecting more details onto the character, but it felt different in a way that she kind of owned up to it a lot. Her wanting to be a hairdresser was an interesting nuance to her character and does tie into the overall theme, which we'll probably get into a little bit later. With Coin leading them, the wizards take over Ankh-Morpork, in the process transforming the patrician into a lizard. So, this is our first time meeting Lord Vetinari. What do you think of him? Not much, to be honest. He didn't exactly have a lot of screen time. <laughs> he certainly doesn't shine in this book the way he will in later ones. This is a little bit of a hint to where he goes, especially the footnote about him torturing people and having his ban on mimes and such. It's weird how just little details can be thrown out there and then in another book totally extrapolated upon that you just weren't expecting at all. So personally, I look forward to those times. Yeah, he seemed to fit an archetype well this time around, but if he does have more of an active role in later books, I'm looking forward to seeing how his character is expanded upon. Following a brief encounter with pirates, Rincewind and Kunina arrive in Al-Kali, capital city of the desert country of Klatch, where they are taken to the Seraph... Hang on, I'm going to mess this up. Creosote. Creosote? Steve. <laughs> he was annoying. Yeah, just, he was. I'm not going to lie. He was annoying. But... Yeah, I, probably least necessary character in this story. I enjoyed that he was used, though, as a conduit into the the meta explanation about sparks of inspiration falling into people's heads. Because, I mean, if that's how it worked in our world, it would explain so much. Other than that, I mostly wanted him to shut up. The Seraph's Vizier takes the Archchancellor's hat and Rincewind is thrown into the snake pit where he meets the barbarian hero in training, Nigel. He was a fun character. I enjoyed his, his pantomime introduction. At the same time, he felt a little bit lacking, probably because we're used to the uh, I'm not so good at what it is that I do from Rincewind. Although from the hero standpoint, he kind of had an early, the, the Disney version of Hercules. When like young Hercules in the Disney movie, he kind of had that vibe for me. I could definitely see him having that sort of physique. On the cover art, he's tiny. He's kind of comparable to Two Flower in a way, just like younger and slightly more self-aware. Yeah, that, do that does make sense. The same enthusiastic dedication to something he doesn't actually understand. I was a little bit underwhelmed by his, uh, how he fit in with other characters. It, it didn't really feel like they were interacting with each other. It, it felt instead like they were themselves in a room with the other characters. A dynamic. I didn't really get a whole dynamic off of him interacting with other characters. I don't really want to be negative about this book, but I suppose I'm getting a little bit critical of it. The wizards invade Alkali, and the Archchancellor's hat, wearing the vizier as a body, goes to face them. The battle destroys the city, and Rincewind, Kunina, Nigel, and Creosote escape on a flying carpet. Rincewind subsequently abandons the rest of the party. Meanwhile, Coin magically imprisons the gods, kickstarting the apocalypse. The end of the world does get delayed as Kunina, Nigel, and Kriusote steal the horses from three of the four horsemen. I'm assuming it's famine was eating all the peanuts. <laughs> I love just in anything interactions between characters who you would expect to be like super serious, and then it turns out when they get together, they're a bunch of nerds. <laughs> 
It's interesting going from the Four Horsemen of Good Omens to these ones. Okay, so the Good Omens Four Horsemen is a biker gang, and then the other Four Horsemen was the greatest thing I've ever read. And the fact that they had their horses stolen. Like, these are important, capital I, important horses, and they're just gone now. Rincewind arrives in Ankh-Morpork and has a scene with the librarian about recognizing his duty. Armed with nothing but a half-brick and a sock, he confronts Coin. Because Rincewind is honest, open, and completely non-threatening, he allows Coin to reject his father's influence, and the two wind up falling into the dungeon dimensions together. Meanwhile, Nigel faces down the ice giants. I have mixed feelings about this scene. Nigel taking his anger out on Kanina is a very human moment. He's scared and guilty and mournful, and it's manifesting his anger. But structure-wise, this is his big moment when he becomes the hero that he wants to be. And I think it's undercut by him being so mean to the woman that like, we haven't said in our discussion, but the narrative explicitly states he loves and who loves him. It feels like a statement about uh, like, if you want to be a man, you have to be a dick. And I don't like that at all. Is like just an interpretation, but I think it's not contradicted by the text at the end of the book it was kind of a bit of it was a bit of a whirlwind for me so i was i was running through it a bit quickly and the jumps in character point of view kind of it made sense narratively to follow the timeline that all these things are happening at the same time but at the same time it it sort of lessened the impact i think that it would have running through it added for great suspense at the beginning but towards the end i missed out on a lot of the emotional aspect of it so his getting angry kind of went over my head i'm definitely going to go back and reread the scene so i can get a deeper understanding of it but at this point in time he still feels flat to me just gonna spoil for you now i don't think we see these two ever again okay i don't think i've mentioned to you or to the audience before there are a few discworld books that i've missed it's possible that some things do come back that i don't know about Oh, well, that, that'll certainly be fun if we get to one that all of us have not read before. The next book in the Wizard series is, is one that I haven't Fresh read Fresh eyes for everyone. Coin and Rincewind are in the dungeon dimensions, surrounded by its horrible creatures. Rincewind distracts them long enough for Coin to escape, allowing himself to be trapped. The librarian breaks the gods out of their magical prison, sealing away the ice giants just before they crush Konina and Nigel. The luggage, who has had a whole separate adventure leaps into the rift to the dungeon dimensions just as it closes yeah the luggage the luggage was good but i didn't see him uh or it rather it it just kind of was there this time around not nearly as as threatening with without two flower around to to juxtapose i suppose but like the luggage is kind of a one note character although this book does i think all it can do with that character by having it get rejected and just sort of dealing with the emotional out- outcomes of that sort of going on a journey of self-discovery in the desert yeah that was that was funny that was genuinely funny this this everyone trying to ignore this thing getting itself drunk while simultaneously stepping back from their own drink just in case but yeah i feel like that was that was the luggage's high for this book i'm just i'm more i'm a little concerned that the lug- luggage humor has been 
used. I'm sure there are more things to do in context with other stories, but don't let me down. Don't let me down, Terry Pratchett. Crusoe goes off to a tavern. Nigel and Kunina start a life together. And Coin, lost without his father's influence, leaves the disc for a pocket dimension. The world is saved, but Rincewind is gone. Bit of a downer ending. Yeah, not what I saw coming, but all things considered, it made sense. Gotta come out and say it, this is not my favorite Discworld book. It still, like, has its moments, definitely. There were certainly themes that I enjoyed. Like, the the whole apocalypse especially come bouncing right off of good omens i know i wasn't in that 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 discussion you'll have your chance no worries i will i i I will get to rave about death later on so uh time for the casting call then for rincewind actually we didn't really cast him in previous episodes i want to take back one i said from the mort one because john mulaney is perfect for oh my how did you know that I spent last night on Netflix for at least two hours <laughs> watching John Mulaney? For Coin, Bryce Geiser. What's he been in? He was in Wonder and A Dog's Purpose. Yeah, I just I just pulled it up. Yeah, I can see that. For Kanina, it feels like kind of a waste on a character that doesn't come back more often. Tessa Thompson would do really Ooh. well. For Nigel, this is one you'll have to look up. Uh, Uriah Shelton, who's actor in The Glades. Uh, for Creosote, DJ Khalid. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Given that we're almost at the end, it's about time for the favorite footnote. The study of genetics on the disc had failed at an early age when wizards tried the experimental crossing of such well-known objects as fruit flies and peas. Unfortunately, they didn't quite grasp the fundamentals, and the resultant offspring, a sort of green bean thing that buzzed, led a short, sad life before being eaten by a passing spider. So, that's the end of this episode. I want to thank Willow Carter for our theme music, and you for listening, and Denny for being here Aww. with me. Hopefully Liz will be back with us next time. Check your local library, because it's our title book, Weird Sisters! Yes! I'm excited. Alright, until next time, the turtle moves. The turtle moves. moves!